Well, hello and welcome back to Kindled. I have a great conversation today with Ren Cherry where we talked all about Enneagram theology, what it is, where to spot it, uh, and unpacking how it actually uh, stands in direct opposition to what scripture teaches us about who we are and where we find our identity and who gets to say who we are. And so this is a fascinating conversation. I love this topic um, because I've lived it and I've lived being someone that got really swept away into this movement, uh, which I share some about in this conversation. And I just, I know how tempting it can be to uh, feel like the Enneagram brings us so much meaning and makes sense out of our lives and our minds and the way we operate. And yet uh, I also have seen how this theology is just ultimately very empty and does not point me to hope through Christ, uh, which I find in scripture. It does not anchor my hope there. It really diverts my eyes to so many other false gospels. And so I would encourage you to check this out. Listen with an open mind. Um, potentially, these this can help inform your conversations with loved ones who might be, or, or friends who are engaged still with the Enneagram. And um, you can kind of have some talking points for why Enneagram theology is problematic and actually just flies against um, scripture uh, as Ren is going to help us understand and unpack. And I will point you to his book as well. That is linked in the show notes. He does a very thorough job in that book of kind of outlining the issues, which we will kind of uh, do a high level treatment of today in our conversation. Before I play that conversation for you, I want to tell you about the newest sponsor of Kindle that I am so excited to work with, and that is W2 Beef Company. So W2 is a husband-wife team that is selling grass-fed and grain-finished beef in bulk, shipped for free straight to your door. This is a no-hassle option for buying quality meat raised only on American farms, and more specifically in the wide open pastures at the Kansas-Oklahoma state line. So Kevin and his wife, Stephanie, Kevin is a fourth generation farmer who has been farming and ranching for 15 years. So while they are new to selling beef directly to the customer, they are not new to farming and ranching. They're currently specializing in selling in bulk, bulk, so this is your chance to stock your deep freeze with quality meat. If you love hosting parties, meal prepping for your family, or just having steaks on hand for the grill, they are the meat providers for you. Now, right now, W2 is doing a giveaway for 50 pounds of free meat. That is a lot of meat, you guys. Like that's, that is a freezer full of meat. So when you sign up for their email list, you will be entered in the, in the giveaway for the 50 pounds. And you also get the chance to learn about their farm, their family, why they do what they do. And for being a Kindled follower, you get a limited time offer that is available only when you sign up for the giveaway. And that is a specially discounted bundle made only available to you guys, to Kindled listeners. It's a sample pack so that you can try out different cuts of meat and it is also shipped for free. So if you wanna check this out, scroll down in the show notes. I have it linked, w2beefco.com. That is the letter W, number two, beefco.com. And sign up for the giveaway today. Learn more about Stephanie and her husband, Kevin, and how uh, they farm their meat and check them out. I am super excited to get my meat delivery uh, later this month or early December. Cannot wait. And I will let you guys know as soon as I do just how amazing it is. But knowing that it comes from a pasture and a farm that is literally in my state, on the state line, just gives me a lot of peace of mind. And knowing that this, these are like-minded Christians who are uh, raising their meat the way that I would if I wanted to do that kind of thing, just gives me a lot of comfort in this crazy world where we really don't know what is in our meat if we are getting it anywhere else. So check them out, w2beefco.com. All right, with that, here is my conversation with Ren Cherry. So today on Kindled, I am chatting with Dr. Ren Cherry. Ren, thank you so much for joining me today. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about a, a topic that is, you know, ever popular in culture, and that is the Enneagram um, in secular culture. But even as we're going to discuss uh, bleeding into the church and Christian conversations, really kind of the larger um, the larger evangelical church has been very swept away by the Enneagram and um, its teachings and the the philosophies and theologies behind it. But we're going to kind of break down um, what are those theologies? What is embedded in 
the system of the Enneagram today. So before we get into that, I would love for you to introduce yourself to listeners. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I live in Kansas City here. My wife, uh, Terry, and I, we have two kids. There, I call them kids. They're grown. Uh, my daughter, Carly, lives in Indiana with her husband, Daniel. My son, Jack, is in Houston uh, in dental school there. Uh, we became believers. My wife and I were born again at about 40 years old. And so we we had both worked in the business world, uh, raised in good families, but had never really submitted ourselves to the truth of God and his word. And so uh, the Lord gave us a new heart and we responded rightly to the gospel at 40 years of age. And we've been walking by God's grace ever since then with him. So at that age, we made a pretty dramatic change in our life. We actually, I went to seminary the first time, and then we went overseas and lived in Russia as missionaries for five years, came back to Texas. I was a pastor there for five years and then moved up to Fort Worth to do a doctorate with Dr. Dale Johnson there. And that's really how I came across the Enneagram. I really just wanted to get a PhD so I could teach biblical counseling. Mm -hmm. Didn't really care what I wrote a dissertation on, to be honest. And Dr. Johnson suggested that I research the Enneagram. I was actually headed more in the direction of Myers-Briggs because Mm -hmm. the missions organization that we had gone with was really into Mm Myers-Briggs and that we had been exposed to that as a personality typing system. So, right. Uh, but anyway, he encouraged me to investigate the Enneagram. So I did that for two or three years and ended up writing dissertation and a book on it. So, yeah, yeah, that's the background as it relates to the Enneagram. Okay. Wow, that's incredible. I didn't realize that you had been saved at um, 40 years of age. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I mean, and and I was wondering about your kids. So how did that impact where were they at that at, at that time? And as far as age and, mm-hmm. you know, beliefs and uh, that's not yeah. what we're going to talk about today, but I'm just curious, like what that looked like in your family. Yeah, I think if you ask them, they they would have been about four and six somewhere oh, okay. in that neighborhood. So still still young. Okay. Yeah, but they I think they would they would attest that they remember that our our family how we lived life together. I think it changed somewhat. Mm-hmm. We were uh, I'm we were blessed in that we were discipled by the, the the man who the Lord used his preaching to lead us to Christ. He discipled us without telling us he was discipling us. Hmm. He just said, come with me, whether it's going door to door and sharing the gospel or going to the other side of the world to do missions mm-hmm. work or really everything in between. And so we're thankful for that. And so really, when you boil it down, he taught me to spend time with the Lord daily in his word to uh, make sure that my woman, uh, my wife, was in the Word, being washed by the Word daily, and to talk about what I read with her, and then to do family worship, to do family devotions Mm -hmm. with my children. So I think that they would point to that as a distinctive of kind of life with the cherries, uh, that we did spend time in the Word together, Mm -hmm. talking about it on a daily basis. So that was a major change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's kind of a blessing. They were as young as they were. I think that would be, that would be like the one difficulty of, you know, being saved later in life is just the, the lack of ability to have raised your kids that way. Right. And I know I've heard Mm -hmm. that testimony from many Christians and obviously God is sovereign and faithful, but um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a blessing when that, when that happens and your kids are young, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So getting into our topic today, I, I want to focus on, I've, I've done a couple episodes on the Enneagram and, um, you know, with Marsha Montenegro, who you mentioned mm-hmm. in your book. And uh, yeah. I, I think what distinguishes your book um, is that it really focuses on the theological foundations of the Enneagram itself. And then also the uh, those who have been the most influential in propagating it, Father Richard Rohr. And then even you do deal with some of the more modern authors and speakers like Suzanne Stabile, Ian Cron, Chris Hurts. 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 Okay. Yes. So you you really, I think that was helpful to me to see what are the theologies. But let's just start with an overarching question here to get us started. Why does theology need to be considered 
when discussing the Enneagram? And maybe before you answer that, you could give us a working definition of what is theology. Yeah, well, the way I break it, I think theology is used generally to to describe a lot of different ologies or doctrine or teaching. But theology specifically is, is I guess, theology proper. And I'm not an expert in that field, uh, but is really what, what does this, whatever's being taught, whatever someone's preaching, whatever someone's writing about, whatever someone is speaking, what does that say about God? Mm-hmm. In fact, is there a God? So, right, mm-hmm. atheism, you know, atheists, they have a theology. They believe that there is no God. And so, as it relates to the Enneagram, okay, who who is this God that, in this case, Richard Rohr and others that he has taught, who is this God, according to Richard Rohr? That's that's something that we need to look at. Is this God? And again, I just want to kind of, I guess, put a disclaimer out there to some degree, is that as it relates to Enneagram usage in the world that I run in of biblical counseling or counseling, uh, I'm not criticizing the motives of people who use it. Mm-hmm. However, so I just want to be clear about that. I think there's people with legitimate motivations that want to help other people with issues that they encounter in life. But when you put the label Christian on anything or gospel centered, which is certainly a, an in vogue label, mm-hmm. when you, when you apply that now we, we need to actually take the Bible and critique, not criticize, but critique. So you mm-hmm. and I are living in a time where right. any critique is is quickly labeled at least often as being uncharitable mm-hmm. right that that's but i think when someone labels something as gospel centered or christian or b- biblical then we need to critique it using the bible and right. so i think that's why we need to look at in this case richard Rohr's theology mm-hmm. um yeah so I, i'm going to equate richard Rohr's theology as Enneagram theology. And, and here's why. I think if you read Ian Crone, if you read Suzanne Stabile, Christopher Hertz, uh, even Beth and Jeff McCord, they're going to, I mean, they they quote Roar, they refer to Roar, they, some of them dedicate their books to Roar. He's what I would call the de facto theologian of the Enneagram system. Mm-hmm. So that, that term just simply means, um, I, I guess I'll use the de facto label for the president of the United States, as an example, right? The the president of the United States historically has been labeled the leader of the what? The leader of the free world. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no leader of the free world association out there that deems him so. Mm-hmm. However, we know that many world leaders look to the president of the United States or as an example of how to lead. And so mm-hmm. he's got a lot of influence over other world leaders. So I, I think the same applies to Rohr in the area of theology. He, he is the de facto theologian of, of the Enneagram system. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think that was really um, critical in, in just identifying that when something is labeled as gospel centered or a Christian perspective on the Enneagram, which we'll see so much of, and you can go to any, you know, major kind of big evangelicalism book website and go find, you know, tens, if not hundreds of books by people who profess Christ and would say they are Christians who are applying the Enneagram uh, through a Christian lens, right? And they, they will look at it through the lens of scripture and they love that language. Um, and it just made me think about First Timothy, uh, for First Timothy four that talks about warnings against false teachers, and um, you know, in the last days, uh, in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith; they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Um, and you know, any ultimately, although it may sound extreme, anything that is not from God only has one other alternative, right? It's it's either mm-hmm. from God or it's not, and so. If we're saying that these things are actually not from God, that these teachings are not from him, then there's really no way to redeem them to look at them through a a Christian lens or a biblical worldview. 
other than to say they're false, they should be avoided. And they actually conflict and they go and they fly in the face of what the Bible does teach. And so that's what obviously we're going to talk about today um, when mm-hmm. it comes to the theology. So anything else you want to add to that there? Oh, no, I think that's a good summary. So, you know, in your research, um, backing out a little bit from the theology conversation, what did you, I, I'd be curious to hear from your perspective, because you researched this really as someone who was newer to the Enneagram, right? You didn't yes. swept up in it as someone who followed it. Um, you you were really researching it from that angle. What did you find that was the primary draw, if you could say, from your research of the Enneagram for people? What is the reason that they go into it, that they become interested in it, that they start researching? Like, what did you, what did you find in your research that is the draw? Oh, I I guess there'd be two factors. Number one, I think uh, this content was moved into the evangelical space really through two historically evangelical publishing houses, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. InterVarsity Press and Zondervan. And so if you look at how, I, I mean, most people will pick up a book and, and trust those publishers. Now, mm-hmm. what you see is uh, InterVarsity Press has made Suzanne Stabile the darling, really, of the, their, the Enneagram culture that is mm-hmm. InterVarsity Press. And she has been used to actually teach the staff at IVP. Mm-hmm. You've also got Christopher Hertz, who at one point during my research, he had the top four books in, I don't know what the the category was on Amazon, spiritual something, I cannot remember, but Mm -hmm. his books are wildly popular from Zondervan. Mm -hmm. And even in the fall of 2020, I don't know if many people know this, Zondervan was going to make a foray into film, in Mm -hmm. theater film. And they chose Christopher Hertz as the author that they wanted to uh, feature and the Enneagram as the subject. So think about that. As many authors as Zondervan has in its stable, so to speak, they mm-hmm. chose Christopher Hertz and they chose the Enneagram as the subject. And they, they produced a movie called Nine. And it was supposed to be released in theaters in the fall of 2020. And mm-hmm. it was <clears throat> shelved because of some accusations that were made against Hertz. I want to say around May of 2020. So okay. to my knowledge, that that work has never been kind of resurrected or, or mm-hmm. I don't I haven't read of any plans for it to be put into a theater. So that was kind of a way to move this content into the evangelical world. But when it was moved into the evangelical world and I will also let me as an aside, Ian Crone who wrote The Road Back to You with Suzanne Stabile, mm-hmm. IVP. He's very influential in the Christian music world, right? He's a Dove award-winning songwriter. He's mm. in that Nashville scene. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very influential with Andy Stanley. Mm. I think starting to understand a little bit better Andy's theology these mm-hmm. days uh, with Kerry Newhoff. These guys are really big in the Christian leadership world, mm-hmm. right? That 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 train a lot of up and coming Christian leaders, mm-hmm. whether it's in missions or church planting. Okay. So he's very influential in that world. Ian Crone is. Um, but I think there's a lot of people that would make claim that they've been that quote, it works. Mm-hmm. It works. Okay. I'm so excited to share with you this next sponsor and that is good book mom, but this is something that I have not shared about before on the podcast. So listen up. If you have ever wished for a biblical alternative to scholastic book orders, you know, the book fair that your school promotes um, to order scholastic books to help them earn money, and yet has such poor offerings so often, a ton of woke books, a ton of books that we really just would not want our kids reading, Good Book Mom has the solution for you. So they have an alternative, which is the Christmas book order. And through this, organizations can earn $7 back in rewards for every $50 spent to purchase books for their teachers or organization, and families can earn loyalty points that can be redeemed for coupon codes. 
So every book has been hand-selected by Good Book Mom. You can sign up to get the book orders sent straight to your inbox, but anyone can view it and shop from it, whether they are subscribed or not. The Christmas book order is live right now. So scroll down in the show notes and click the link to go directly to the Christmas book order. If you want to learn more about how this works, go to goodbookmom.com and you will see book order club in her top menu bar right there. That's goodbookmom.com and click on book order club to learn more about how to earn rewards as families and earn money for your organization by buying books that are written from a Christian biblical worldview and approved all from Good Book Mom. Don't miss this. Okay. I, I My wife and I were having problems. I'm not saying this about us. That, yeah. that, and we used the Enneagram and it really helped us. Yeah. And I would, and so in, in my world, I would say it helped you do what, or they say it works. Mm-hmm. I would ask them to define works. What is it works or it worked? Right. What does that right. mean? Right. And so you hit on it, or you mentioned it earlier, the concept of pragmatism. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just reading last night in a book that I might be using in one of my classes here about pragmatism and specifically John Dewey. And it's really interesting that I think some people would label themselves as pragmatists because we do what, quote, works. But when you start to define what works, and you study the history of pragmatism, you see that Dewey just really had a process for what he called his inquiry process. And although he didn't use the word truth, he would call uh, the outcome like warranted assertability. The, The point is this, truth starts to become relative to the individual. So who are you, Haley Williams, to challenge me, Ren Cherry, that what my wife and I used to help our marriage worked, mm-hmm. right? And so I think it comes down to a difference. And again, in my world of biblical counseling, what what is the goal? What is the objective? Biblical counseling, the the a major difference between biblical counseling and therapy is that biblical counseling, the goal is to uh, be conformed to the image of Christ. Right. That's what's in the crosshairs. Versus therapy, I would say, is more about minimizing pain, maximizing happiness. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's subjective and it's going to be limited. Mm-hmm. So similarly, what is in the crosshairs when you say it worked for me? It helped me. It what mm-hmm. what did it help you do? Like, did it help you right be happier mm-hmm. about who you are, gain more peace with you know? quote unquote, how God made you, right? Understand yourself, self-knowledge, all the things that people, I think, and we're we're, we're really talking about Christians here because we don't care what the world does, right? Like we know the mm-hmm. world is going to be um, following after the prince of the power of the air. But when, when it comes to Christians, we're talking about people who actually would profess Christ and say, this helps me glorify God because Uh, It helped me grow in the knowledge of my own sin. And I've heard Mm -hmm. people say this, uh, the Mm -hmm. Enneagram really helped me identify my areas of sin and weakness and struggle. And the point is for me to grow from that. I I have to grow from that. I'm not saying I would, you know, lean into that and justify my sin. That would be wrong. But the point is that it helps me identify my sin. I've literally heard people say that exact thing. Mm -hmm. Um, What would your response be to that? Well, I think if you read these Enneagram authors, they're going to, and th- this is what scared me about me when I read these books, is that I, I could see myself getting very focused on one of those nine, what they would call sins associated with that type. Right. So it, it gets me focused on one type at, at the exclusion, and they would never say this, mm-hmm. but the, at the exclusion of the other eight. And mm-hmm. trust me, Ren Cherry has many, many ways of his sin manifesting itself at any moment of any given day. Mm -hmm. And so I think it becomes deterministic in the sense that I think you see this in churches, in institutions, sadly, educational institutions who have adopted this system for either qualifying volunteers or even Mm -hmm. hires. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, and this is part of the, for lack of a better term, I'll call it brilliance of 
I mean, historically, if you study Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, there it's a distinct movement away from a, quote, trained professional who observes you, tests you, and categorizes you. The, the quote, brilliance of these, uh, of Myers-Briggs and Enneagram is that guess who fills out, who, who takes mm-hmm. the test? It's you. Right. And functionally, you can be whoever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Who am I to challenge that? But when it comes to hiring or even volunteering or even within a marriage, it's it almost becomes contractual. It is that you, Haley, have said this is who you are. So mm-hmm. we're going to hire you because we think you'll fit in with us here because now we're going to expect you to respond this way when we say and do the things that we as the types that we've mm-hmm. determined we are, that we're going to expect you to respond this way. In other words, stay in your lane, stay mm-hmm. in your lane that you have defined. So yeah. by definition, it's deterministic. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think the the person who follows it would maybe say, well, no, it's not. I'm, it, I've heard this too. Um, the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. And by the way, like my followers, my listeners know, I, there was a couple years of my life where I really was into the Enneagram. I was listening to all of the, um, you know, I read the road back to you. I read Suzanne Stabile's books. I listened to all the specific number typing songs, you know, and thought, Oh, the three song is so me. Cause I'm such a three and whatever. Like I, I fell for it hook, line and sinker and was literally their target audience. So I get to say this, <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. I think what, what I've heard and what I have even said before years past was the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It just shows you the box you're already in and helps you get out of that box, right? Because like it's not it's not putting you in a box that you're not already in. It's just identifying the box that you are already in to say, hey, this is my box. I need to kind of get out of that, go back to what is my true self. My my, you know, the Enneagram, obviously you know this, but has this idea of like we have had some sort of childhood event or our upbringing caused our shadow self to kind of come into the foreground, right? So we've, Mm -hmm. we're responding in an unhealthy way to our environment based on whatever our environment was. So if I'm a three and I am really prone towards, um, you know, achievement and image and people thinking well of me, there must've been something in my childhood that caused me to think that the only way I could be loved and accepted was through performance. And so I've got to now on get out of the box of the performance achievement mindset and just be accepted and loved for who I am. So that's like what their gospel would be for, for the three, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, but I've heard that said that, and and it used to make a lot of sense to me. I used to think that was really smart to say um, it doesn't put you in a box. It just shows you the box you're already in. What would Mm -hmm. you, what would be your response to that? Well, I think if you read roar particularly, you're going to see that I think Christopher Hertz corroborates on this. They would say you're that type for life. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's some debate. There will be some debate again, uh, amongst these authors right. as to when that is set. Uh, but so, some authors would say you don't even need to be tested until you're after over thirty. But other authors are going to say that's sixth. You're not going to change that. So I would say you're in the box. You're according to certain Enneagram authors, and you're going to stay in the box. Mm-hmm. Okay, so life becomes much more about management coping in the box Mm. coping with each other of certain quote types and so um yeah i would i guess i would call into question for someone you said this someone that claims to be a christian if if we're born again we have a new identity and that identity is in christ now Mm -hmm. one of my points of critique of roar in particular is his use of the term in Christ. He corrupts that term right. in Christ throughout his writings. Mm-hmm. So, but let's just stay there for a second. I, I would respond by questioning what actually drove someone to look for an identity outside of Christ, mm-hmm. like in, in the person of Christ. Who, who are we? If Christ himself has provided this new self, mm-hmm. a new identity in him, Christ alone, the one who took on human flesh in the only incarnation, and that's an important point if you study Roar. Um, But why do we need an identity outside of him? Actually, 
why would we want any identity outside of him? Because the only identity outside of Christ is a sinful identity. Right. So I don't think it's too complicated there. So I want to interrupt this episode to take a second to tell you about my newest sponsor, and that is AC. ACBC stands for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Now, it will probably be no surprise to you that I am a big fan of ACBC. Our church has an ACBC counseling center, multiple certified ACBC counselors, and this organization is doing such good and important and necessary and God-honoring work in churches all across the country. Every Christian is a counselor. It's just a matter of being a skilled or unskilled one. ACBC exists to help fill churches with skilled biblical counselors that rightly understand and apply God's word to the countless problems of life. Their certification process is designed to teach right theology and how to apply it in phase one training and phase two exams, and then requires counselors to put what they learn into practice in phase three supervised counseling. There are hurting people all around us that need true hope and healing, which can only be found in Christ and the Bible. Visit biblicalcounseling.com today to start your journey to become the kind of counselor that God calls all believers to be. Learn more at biblicalcounseling.com. Let me let me speak mm-hmm. to this issue of, I think it relates to theology proper of Richard Rohr. Mm-hmm. Now, Marcia Montenegro spoke about this. I listened to the podcast that you've done with her. Richard Rohr is a panentheist. And mm-hmm. so he believes that, and he teaches that God indwelled all of creation at creation. So it's mm-hmm. the concept, he's not a pantheist, but it's the concept that God is transcendent over all, but God is in all. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that require? Just base, and 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 this is why, my book has a lot of footnotes. I wanted to quote Richard Rohr or Christopher Hertz or Suzanne mm-hmm. Stabile and others. I didn't want people to read and say, yeah, Ren Cherry's just misreading mm-hmm. these guys. No, he's right. quoting them. And and so Richard Rohr speaks of the first incarnation that incurred at creation. So if God's going to indwell all things, he needs an event to do that. And Richard mm-hmm. Rohr plainly speaks of a first incarnation right Mm -hmm. and so this sets up so that's that's the theology god uh, is in all things and therefore roar and his followers are panentheists right now what that means is Mm -hmm. if we've been indwelt you and i by god from creation then we're good we're in fact we're divine Right, And so we know that the Bible doesn't agree with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Rohr would go on to speak specifically against original sin. Right. You don't, you don't have to read that into Rohr. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he would basically make the claim that original sin is a mental construct. He, mm-hmm. would, he would blame that primarily on Augustine in the fifth century. But, Rohr would go on to even call out the likes of Martin Luther, John Calvin, even Jonathan Edwards. How dare he preach a sermon mm-hmm. about sinners in the sin, in the hands of an angry God? Mm-hmm. Right. So he's very specific about his rejection of the concept of original sin. So right. he's a panentheist. He would say that man is basically good by nature. In fact, man is divine. So you've got the theology that informs his anthropology, mm-hmm. right? His doctrine of man. And then it goes on when we talk about homardiology, which is just a, a fancy word for the doctrine of sin mm-hmm. or the problem of man, right? As Christians, we're going to say that we're sinners by nature and by choice, right? We're rebels, you and I. Mm-hmm. But Rohr would teach that actually... Your problem is that you don't realize you have a good, true self. You've got this false self that is between you and the realization that you've been good since creation, right? Yeah. And so 
that's that's where he lands on man's problem. And then, of course, the solution, a Christian solution, would be the gospel. Uh, but Roars, it would be a false gospel of mm-hmm. really self-awareness, self-mastery that's made mm-hmm. possible through the Enneagram. Yeah. Man, it's, it's just so plain that his theology is in direct opposition to what scripture teaches. Um, and so that idea of the original goodness, uh, which if you, you know, because he believes that God in, uh, essentially indwelt all of creation, including mankind at that first incarnation, uh, and that we are all in Christ, right? We're not all condemned by our sin. We're not all destined for hell, which means we don't need a savior, which means, and, and also just rejects even the category, like I, I know we could get into this in a, in a few minutes, but like even the category of the Christian Enneagram coach who says, I'm going to look at this through the lens of the Bible and says, well, I'm going to take the Christian categories of, of sin. And I'm going to now understand the Enneagrams, you know, the Enneagram doesn't teach a category of sin. They, they would not teach that it doesn't exist in their world um, because that is a Christian and a biblical concept. But even the person who does that, it's like, you're actually defying their own beliefs and they would, they would disagree with you. <laughs> so I don't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like Richard Ward would, mm-hmm. would look at Beth McCord, who's, who's your, your Enneagram coach or whatever your Christian mm-hmm. Enneagram coach and say, you know, you've got it all wrong. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's not, it's not your sin. It's your, it's your original goodness. You are originally good. And so I just, I fail to see how Christians are, um, you know, are, are not going Oh yeah, you know, if you're even rejecting the way that I'm interpreting this, maybe I maybe I do have it wrong. Like actually Richard Rohr is being more consistent and more theologically consistent than someone like a Beth McCord or, you know, a Suzanne Stabile who claims Christianity or an Ian Crone who claims Christianity. Um, whether they are or not is not for me to say, but I would say the things they're teaching go in direct opposition to scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I would say that they, I, I've I've read Beth McCord's book. I think it's a watered down, repentance free mm. um, book, uh, gospel. That because on on the cover of their book, they do call it using the enneagram. The subtitle is using the enneagram to create a thriving gospel centered marriage. And just let me say mm. this. Uh, <clears throat> Christians are fiercely loyal to a fault, right? We are some Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. In-N-Out Burger, Hobby Lobby shopping folk, right? Oh my we goodness, are... that's hilarious. This is from Hobby Lobby. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah, and it so is, yes. Once you can capture that market, so to speak, we're fiercely mm-hmm. loyal to a fault, really. Mm-hmm. And so um, they, the, the McCords, and this is, I critique their book on a, a different podcast. Um, they, they have in their subtitle, gospel-centered marriage. Now, mm-hmm. let's just say this. If you can capture the Christian market, so to speak, and there's also some areas of let's get rich quick, let's lose mm-hmm. some weight fast, or let's have a thriving marriage or sex mm-hmm. life, that, there's mm-hmm. there's lots and lots and lots of books out there right. on those things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're marketing with this book. So right. when I read the book and I critiqued it, I said, okay, what is this gospel that this mm-hmm. book is talking about. And what I found was a very repentant light version mm-hmm. of the gospel. It was more, and this will be consistent with Roar. It was more about realizing who you already are. Mm, yeah. It was, it was clear. So I think mm-hmm. if you read that book, that's what you'll find. Yet Beth McCord is a darling of many women's conferences, right? Um mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm not criticizing her motivations, but she and her husband have put gospel-centered on the cover of their book. So I must critique it using mm-hmm. the Bible, and that's what I found. So I actually bought the electronic version of that book just so I could do a quick mm-hmm. word search on repentance. And it's mm-hmm. very few cases of use of the word repent or repentance, and several of those usages are just not consistent with what the Bible would teach about repentance. Right. Uh, It's funny on her website, of course, her, you know, um, instead of putting 
well, her title she's chosen for herself is type nine peaceful mediator. It's just, you know, re- reinforces the idea that like, this is how people see themselves. You see yourself not as someone who has been made new. Your old self has passed away. You're now supposed to walk in the works that God has prepared for you to walk in. Um, it's it's not that it is i mm-hmm. i am now i want to be known as my label i want to be i think it's just it's evidence of the the human plight the, the sinful human plight outside of christ we do want to be known and fully loved right for mm-hmm. like as we are we don't like we want to uh, the error is that we believe that we we can make ourselves good enough for god to love us the truth is that we can't the good news is that christ does die for his enemies, right? While we were yet his enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. And so that is the gospel. But to call what she is teaching a gospel is, I guess, true in the sense that it's a false gospel. Yes, it Mm -hmm. is. It is some kind of good news, but it is not the good news. It is not the good news of scripture. And yet it is, it is some version is her version of what is her good news for you? Her good news is that you can, through self-knowledge and self-improvement and self-help, you can improve the quality of your marriage. You can improve your sex life. You can improve your self-perception of, of you and your relationships. You can have healthier, more peaceful relationships, right? All of those things, those are that's a gospel message, but it is not a true gospel message. And so um, yeah, it's just it's kind of sad to see it's like so close and yet so far. You know, you are just scratching at the outside of. I, it's like my dog, when he wants to come in from, you know, being outside, he like puts his little paws up on the glass and he's like scratching to come in. It's like, you're so close. And yet you're, you're still outside. You're outside of what the true gospel is. You're outside of Orthodox Christian teaching and you don't realize it. I guess I, I I don't think that they realize it. I don't think they are trying to be false teachers. Like, I don't think that they Mm -hmm. are trying to deceive, but that is in fact what is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me just say a couple of things. And now, now that we're on the McCords, in the front matter of that book, they make clear that the Bible is not sufficient to complete the work of sanctification in a mm. believer's life. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make that claim. So the, the business of the Bible, as I would say, is conforming regenerate believers to the image of Christ. So mm-hmm. There's a lot of things upstream of that. You cannot you cannot walk in obedience to the word unless the Lord has put a new heart in you. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 are very clear about that, right? We see in 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21, that the Holy Spirit of God carried along men as they recorded these words of Scripture. So we see that when someone is born again and God puts His Spirit in them and causes them to walk in obedience to his rules and his statutes. Well, what are those rules and those statutes? They're the words of scripture that the Holy Spirit himself has mm-hmm. recorded. And so we see that they're not into, that the McCords would not subscribe to the, the truth that the Bible is sufficient to complete the work that God has started, right? Then mm-hmm. a, a second thing is that this is a concern. It all sounds kind of good until you, you start thinking about it vis-a-vis the, the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. They they make the claim that the Enneagram is a guide. They make it on page 34 of the book. It's the, the internal GPS or the illuminating agent, the discerner of the heart's intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll quote here, that will reflect to us the current condition of our hearts and help mm-hmm. us to know when our hearts are drifting away from the gospel. It reveals not what we do, but why we do it. Still talking about the Enneagram. Now, Mm -hmm. my last reading of the Bible, I think Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 would be very clear that the role of discerner of the intentions of our heart, that is reserved for the Holy Spirit of God, Mm -hmm. using the Word of God that the Holy Spirit of God wrote. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's not you. That's not me uh, trying to discern the motivations and intentions of anyone's heart much less ours. I can't, I can't know my own right. according to scripture. Okay. So it, in some ways, Enneagram evangelist, as I call them, would position the Enneagram itself as supplanting the Holy Spirit of God mm. to discern the motivations of our heart. The 
part of the marketing of the Enneagram has been this deep, deeper discernment, right? Yeah. We're going to go deep and mm-hmm. we're going to discern the motivations of your heart using this tool, right? It's just right. a tool. That's how mm-hmm. it's being sold. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's another form of humanism, right? It, ultimately, yeah. man is the hero of his own story, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's the savior. He's always yeah. going to be the hero in whatever story he writes for himself. I want to share with you a sponsor that I love and you have heard about before if you listen to Kindled, and that is Alongside Them. Alongside Them provides catechisms for your children that actually engage your whole family as you learn either the Ten Commandments or the basics of the Christian faith together. So the basics catechism will ground your whole family in uh, truths of the faith as you learn about God, Jesus, repentance, faith, sin, and more, while the commandments catechism will reveal God's character to you and your kids. So the commandments expose our sinfulness by showing us our inability to keep them. And they point us to our savior, Jesus Christ, who obeyed God's law perfectly. Both of those are must haves. And I keep mine out on my back counter. Uh, You probably notice it in my Instagram stories. When I share stuff from my kitchen, it is always out and my kids flip through it. And I just love to have it in our home. If you already have both of those, then check out their Bible reading plan for kids. Those are very popular and you'll get a very cute plan that your kid can follow along with keeping their Bible as they read through scripture, uh, either on their own or with you as a family. Check out all of their products at comealongsidethem.com. And the code is still kindled five for $5 off your purchase. Again, that's comealongsidethem.com kindled five for $5 off. Right. This idea that like God has given you the tools now use them. They're at your fingertips. Just use them. God, he doesn't want you to be left to your own devices. Like he's given you this, he's given you this knowledge, this wisdom, um, but it is a Gnostic wisdom. It's the idea that we can we can know ourselves to freedom, but that's not what the Bible teaches us. That's not at all what we see in scripture. It's that we actually have to die to self, not become more alive to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to be made alive in Christ, which is the opposite. You know, it's totally, he's a person outside of us. Like we are his creation, but we are not automatically in him because of original sin. Um, and I mm-hmm. think I see like what I hear happening is, as the Enneagram, this false gospel tells people to return to your true self, your good, your inherently good self that is not the shadow self, not the one that you've kind of covered over with your unhealthy responses your whole life to that, you know, that original um, situation or circumstance you were in that kind of caused the shadow, whatever shadow, whatever version you're in it actually is working. And so what I mean is like, it is causing people to turn away from mm-hmm. the, the, the self that God has created a new life in Christ. If they are Christians, it is actually causing them to turn away from that and walk back towards the old self, because that is the only self that Enneagram wants you to be familiar with and to know is not the one that is new in Christ, but your, what they would call your good self. In reality, it's your fallen nature. It's your sin nature. It is the old man. And I would say it's working because I know that when I was caught up in it, when I spent every free minute that I could listening to Enneagram podcasts, interviews um, from, you know, Ian Crone had typology, his podcast where he would have like different couples who were married to each other come on and do interviews. And it's like a type nine married to a seven or a six married to a two. And how does that work itself out in your marriage? And it's like, I hung on their every word as though I could take that as wisdom and apply it to my life. And it was replacing the Bible in my Mm -hmm. actual life. So, you know, how we read scripture is we observe what it says, we interpret rightly, and then we apply it to our lives. But I was observing Enneagram wisdom, interpreting that for how I could then apply it to my life, not scripture. I was just looking to the system to provide me with the help. So it really did functionally replace God's word and the Holy Spirit's role in my life as a believer. And it led me only further to myself as a source, which was very spinning wheels-ish. It was very hamster on a wheel. Like I'm not getting anywhere. I am really just being distracted. And I am giving up these many hundreds of hours of podcast listening time or reading time, things I could be reading that would actually grow me. And it is um, producing 
nothing. It's a, it's a fruitless pursuit. It is worldly wisdom. It, like you said, it is humanism. It is just, um, secularism. And so, but disguised as like Christian learning, spiritual formation, right? All these like new age Christian terms that made me think I was growing because I was gaining information, but it was not information that I actually should be gaining. It was foolishness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, it definitely encourages people to rely on other men and women, whether it's the the mm-hmm. founders of the system. Uh, whether I mean, you can take it all the way back to Ichazo, Naranjo, mm-hmm. even Gurdjieff. Uh, but you're placing your faith in a man-made system, and you're not mm-hmm. truly evaluating the system, the root of this system, using using scripture. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that the McCords don't have Richard Rohr on their podcast when they when they responded to some criticism a couple of years ago in some of their podcasts, they brought on some guys who were surprise, surprise, already certified as Enneagram coaches by Mm -hmm. the McCords. I would love to hear an interview with Richard Rohr uh, about, you know, his doctrines of God, man, sin, Mm -hmm. and solution, salvation. Um, I also think that they somewhat hide behind a what they would call a biblical defense of embracing worldly philosophies and you hear this a lot contextualizing mm-hmm. contextualizing the gospel and I, I think it's just a distraction from Richard Rohr's well-documented teaching of panentheism he's actually a perennialist I think Marshall Montenegro spoke to that as well he really Rohr really embraced Aldous Huxley's book um, classical perennialism or per- perennial philosophy, sorry. And mm-hmm. that, that just teaches that all major world religions lead to the same God. Yeah, And so you, you can go find that on Roar's website. It's clear. In fact, I offered to fly to Albuquerque and interview Richard Roar to make sure that I had properly characterized and quoted him in the areas of theology, mm-hmm. anthropology, homardiology, mm-hmm. soteriology. So how was that think, received? Oh well, I they they politely emailed me back and said he's busy doing other things and that they couldn't mm-hmm. uh, provide that interview. It's actually a footnote in my book. I I mm-hmm. just cut and pasted that email. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but you you mentioned it. I think it this is a form of modern day Gnosticism, ultimately. And you might see this from your friends that are still very much running around in the Enneagram world. They might say. You know what, Haley, you just don't get it. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't embrace the system. You don't embrace this unique vocabulary. Now, mm-hmm. I'll go so far as to make the claim that I think it appeals to people who want to be included in a unique group with its own unique vocabulary and subculture. I think yeah. it's I think it appeals to to us in that way. Right. So we all have a sinful tendency to want to understand things that are complicated. And to be able to explain those things back to others mm-hmm. and be a part of that community. And I just think the Lord has already given us the community that we need in mm-hmm. the local church. It's amazing when you see how the world, and again, I would expect a system like this yeah. from the world. That's right. what we expect, mm-hmm. right? And it, it is a point of community right? Yeah. It within the world. But I don't see it. Uh, I don't see the need to redeem it. I, this mm-hmm. this concept of right. trying to redeem things that right. the Lord has already provided for in his word. I, I just mm-hmm. don't get that. I don't understand the felt need to redeem the things of the world. Well, it's what you said. It is. Um, it's just, I think it's our selfish sin nature wanting wanting what we want, wanting to keep what we had, you know, even if someone starts to become aware or be convicted, I think they, I think either you, either you respond to that conviction by submitting to what God's word says, and you recognize that, you know, you have to forsake worldly wisdom. You have to 
you have to be done with that. You have to stop putting that on a pedestal. You have to stop giving that authority in your life and stop pouring your effort and energy into those things. Um, or you can then, if you're convicted or faced with that, you can seek to justify and rationalize and make all kinds of arguments, uh, which is sort of what the Beth McCord of, of the world is doing and say, well, you know, what we can do is we can redeem it for good. It has so much wisdom. It's just that it's been tainted. It's again, no, no, that's, that's not what's happening. And so I, I think it's, I think it's just selfishness, like people and, and self-centeredness is really what I mean to say. Like it is a, we love ourselves. We love mm -hmm. our sin. Nature loves ourselves and we love ourselves more than we love Christ. Right. Even you, you could say for a baby Christian at conversion, that's still a very strong impulse. Like it is only through daily dying to self, like daily being in God's word, daily being held accountable by those who are maybe a little further along the road than you, those in your church or your small group or whatever, you know, having Christian friends and mentors that help you kind of see your sin and turn from that and say, no, I don't want to be that way anymore. That is my tendency, but I'm not going to live into that. I'm not going to give that the lion's share of my, um, I'm not going to uh, like make it okay. I'm not going to pet my sin and keep it around and give it a name. And this, this does that. This gives you the right to kind of name your sin, keep it as a pet. You, maybe you lock it into a little cage and you say, well, see, look, it's safe in the cage. I still, but it still has a little label label with its name on it and you're still feeding it and give it, watering it. So it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like as a Christian, you are to turn from that. You are to recognize that like, no, I actually am not stuck in this box anymore. I've been taking, taken out of the coffin that I was dead in and given a new life in Christ. I no longer have to be identified by the sinful patterns of this world. And in fact, I should not be. I should, not, I should be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And that is to be with God's word, not with worldly wisdom. So I just think it's this mm -hmm. the self-centeredness of human nature that that causes people to try and make justifications for it and uh and stay and stay content with it. And it's just sad. It makes me think of like the C.S. Lewis quote: um, we are too easily pleased. You know, we are content uh making mud pies in a slum when because we we have not understood what is the what is um contained in the offer of a holiday at sea. Like we, we are just too easily pleased. It's not that we, it's not that we are not satisfied. It's that we're satisfied with too little. And that, that is, I think the sadness of Christians that are swept up in this is that you think that this is like so great, but it is not even, it is not even like registering on the scale of the freedom and the joy that can be found when you actually follow God's way, you know, and when you actually like follow what scripture and believe what scripture has told you that you are no longer bound to those, to that old pattern of, of living and you are given a new life and, and new, uh, new way to live in Christ. Yeah. And no, I, I would say, uh, I would just point us to Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Uh, I, and really what it doesn't say about self. So this is, I pointed out only because that, that passage is often cited as a proof text for Christians who are taken by a love for personality testing. Mm -hmm. So what, what does Jesus say there? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus cited two commandments. Right. And as yourself modifies how you are to love your neighbor. Nowhere, nowhere does Jesus command us to love ourselves, because, as you've already said, you and I are expert at that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go to a seminar to, or read a book on how to love myself. And, and so now we see Jesus, what he does say about self. And this is just one of many places. Luke 9, 23. Right. Um he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So mm -hmm. Jesus there is speaking of putting one's self to death. So that mm -hmm. is denying the existence of the old self. So really, the picture is me acting as if that old self, it does not even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying, you focus on me. I am your new identity. 
And so I would even say, like a good example of it is Peter at his, what arguably would be his lowest moment, right? When he has denied Jesus the night before Jesus's crucifixion, he acted as if that relationship between him and Jesus didn't even exist. So mm -hmm. he's not even acknowledging it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the same way, I would say that Jesus is telling us, you must deny yourself. You, you see it again in Ephesians 4. And so the apostle Paul reminds the church to what? Put off the old self, but be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put mm -hmm. on the new self, the right. one that's created in the likeness of true righteousness and holiness. So, yeah, I, I think you've summarized it well. I, I think it the the system itself is self-centered by definition mm -hmm. and it's a in an issue of focus. So it's focusing on the goodness of man as opposed to the holiness of God, as opposed to being focused on the holiness of God, which shines brightly on what the sinfulness of man. Right. So there's, there's a big difference there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if fine. Yeah. Finally, kind of just wrapping up, um, what would your encouragement be to someone who is maybe like me, uh, you know, seeking to engage in these conversations with grace, but also with truth? Um, you know, is there anything that would be, you know, the place you would focus uh, your your efforts on? What what is like the most salient point against the Enneagram for a, for a believer, for Christians? Like, I guess that's where I get stuck, because sometimes conversations will devolve into all kinds of rabbit trails that, you know, then I, I find myself confused about what was it again that I was trying to communicate? Is there something that you feel is the most um, the most critical or crucial thing to address in this conversation that uh, that you would focus your your efforts on? Yeah, I think I would have to point back to the fact that the Enneagram's theological differences with evangelicalism. So I, I never really defined that. So I think an evangelical would, would maintain that repentance of a life of sin and right placement of faith in the person and the work of Christ that is what's required for salvation. Nothing more, nothing less. That is all. Okay. So for so back to evangelicalism, I, I want to point out that the Enneagram's theological differences with evangelicalism are more than just simple inconsistencies. The, mm -hmm. These differences are foundational theological contradictions mm -hmm. and and therefore i'm going to label the enneagram and again we need to take it back to roar okay because that is the root of this these entire systems if you don't believe the connection of roar to stabile ian crone hertz even the mccords the mccords on page 29 of their book they cite like beth in particular, the effect that Richard Rohr's book, The Enneagram, A Christian Perspective, which, by the way, was a retitled version of a book that he wrote 20 years prior. But yeah. she said, Jeff skimmed through the Enneagram book and I devoured it. She makes that. Mm -hmm. That's a quote. And so it very much impacted her her life. And so these other authors, their books are dedicated, some of them to Richard Rohr. So he's been a big he's had a big impact on their lives and their writings. So back to this, the, I would say that the Enneagram is anti-biblical. Its theology, its anthropology are in conflict with scripture. And so therefore, I'm going to make the claim it's anti-Christian tool for un rightly understanding man. Mm -hmm. So you can't just throw the fashionable label gospel-centered mm -hmm. onto an anti-biblical system like the Enneagram. It doesn't make it acceptable for us to use it. Right. So it leads to really a non-Christian way of viewing man and mm -hmm. understanding man's problems. So I, I always say it's, it's like this proverbial road to nowhere. So it's, it's mm -hmm. got its own peculiar language. It, it carries with it this sense of inclusion. It leads to a mythical destination known as the 
good true self and that good true self does not exist mm-hmm. there is a a a righteous holy savior that we can be counted in him through repentance and faith in Christ but there is no good divine true self uh, that came into being at a first incarnation that is 100% anti-biblical so I, yeah. I would actually challenge listeners to look into the theology of these Enneagram authors uh, themselves. I'd, I'd challenge you to evaluate all teaching, not just Enneagram teaching, using the lens of Scripture. So truly, the, these four areas of theology, anthropology, homardiology, uh, and soteriology. So mm-hmm. what is this teaching? Whatever it is, they should, listen, they should evaluate your podcast using this same grid. What is Haley saying about God, about man, about sin, about mm-hmm. salvation? Yeah. It's very simple. So, right. Very simple. And yet so, so easy to get twisted up with these, um, these smooth words. Right. And the, mm-hmm. the teachings are, are just kind of like, um, you know, we, this analogy is used all the time, but just sort of like that Genesis three, did God really say, did mm-hmm. he really say that scripture was enough? Did he really say that the Holy spirit is, you know, the only, um, quote unquote tool that we need for self-knowledge or understanding. And, uh, it, it really is just that foundational of a question. It's just reworded and cast in beautiful marketing and big social media influence and lots of followers. And it works. That's because it, it works on people. It's, it's pretty, it's kind of this, uh, equation that has, that gives something clout and uh, seemingly gives them like the authority to speak to this. Uh, you know, I, I know that um, as someone who is in marketing and does do graphic design, like I know the power of imagery and branding and just cohesive branding to make someone go like, oh yeah, this is a thing. This is legit. They have a lot of followers. Um, this looks good. This looks good. And, and it sounds good and it feels good to Christians, but yeah, I would just really encourage people to to, to do exactly what you said, to evaluate those claims and those teachings against what scripture teaches on all of those categories. And your book is a great place to start Enneagram Theology by Dr. Ren Cherry. Uh, and the subtitle is, is it Christian? Shortcut, which you now know is no. <laughs> so, um, hmm. so I will link that in the show notes as well as the other episodes that you reference with Marsha and people can, um, again, if you haven't heard those episodes, those might be good foundations to some of the things we talked about today, but um, yeah, thank you so much for your time and just helping us think through this in a, from a biblical worldview, a truly biblical lens on the Enneagram. And um, I know that'll be helpful for people. You're most welcome. God bless you. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really pray that you have a blessed Thanksgiving with your family and are able to enjoy time away from the regular, the norm. Um, hopefully these conversations don't come up and you can just enjoy quality time. But if they do, uh, as always, I just pray that this conversation was edifying and encouraging to you and that you feel better equipped to confront the lies that culture is constantly trying to sell us and to identify um, what scripture really does say and how that frees us to just walk in the true freedom that Christ purchased for us. We don't have to be slaves to any ideology that tells us we need to you know, fill in the blank, X, Y, Z, do step one, two, three to recover our true selves or find freedom in all these different places that it is secure in Christ. We have a new identity, a new heart, a new mind, and we have been bought with a price and we have been given new works to walk in. And I just pray that that encourages you today and that you would, um, you would walk in that freedom. So anyway, love these conversations. Love you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving with your family and I will see you soon.